Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. So let's read uh, John chapter 1 uh, from verse 1 up until verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming in the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did not receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Fantastic. What a powerful uh, true story right there. Amen. Adoption. That's what we want to look at today, adoption and our identity. Would you just pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, it is a joy to gather today together in your name. I pray that you'd help me preach, communicate your word with clarity, with uh, power, with simplicity. Have your way in our hearts and our life. May we as we worship you with our singing, with our praise, our worship, our giving, may we now worship you with our hearing and give you the attention that you deserve. We ask for your grace and your goodness, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The skit ends with these words, if he loves me, this lady speaking of the Father, speaking of God, if he loves me as much as I love this little girl, I don't ever have to question his love for me ever again. It's powerful, isn't it? On that note. (laughs) Very dramatic. I never have to question his love for me again. As we consider this truth of adoption and our truth, uh, or this truth for us, this doctrine of adoption, the fact that we as Christians have been adopted by God, it should give us the clearest and the most wonderful picture of God's great love towards us. Uh, the great author, J.I. Packer, pastor preacher who recently passed, in chapter 19 of his classic book, and I do encourage you to buy it, read it, um, his classic book called Knowing God, in chapter 19 he asks the question, what is a Christian? He then says, how would you answer that? He answers it in this way. He says, the question can be answered in many ways. But the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. The truth of our adoption gives us the deepest insights that the New Testament affords into the greatness of of God's love. 
the doctrine of adoption. It's my hope today for us as Christians, for those of you that have been a believer for some time, perhaps you're not familiar or it's been some time since you've freshly appreciated this truth of adoption. Maybe you've been serving the Lord for some time, maybe due to the lack of relationship you had with your earthly father. Maybe he wasn't present. Maybe he was... uh, had an addiction to some chemical or something that caused your reflection of a father not to be a positive one. Or perhaps you are more conscious, aware of your sinfulness and your bad behaviour than you are of God's love and deep affection for you. It is my prayer, it is my hope today that by the end of this message pray for a short message, that you would be very aware of God's great love for you today. If you're visiting with us today and you're not a Christian, thanks for coming. Uh, It is my prayer that by the end of today that you would be aware of your offensive sin before the Father, but then know secondarily his adopting love and his embrace for you and of you. That's my prayer. The truth of adoption, J.I. Packer says, gives us the deepest insight that the New Testament affords of the greatness of God's love. This truth of adoption, church, I would say, is foundational to our identity, our identity as Christians, first and foremost, but also every person on planet Earth's identity as a human being. Now, a lot of the people that I deal with in the judicial system, the, those that struggle, those that are breaking the law, those that are incarcerated more often than not, those that are regularly coming into my presence, are people that struggle with this issue of identity. More times than not, they are people that have issues or struggle with knowing who their father is. That old saying, who's your daddy? It wasn't that funny, was it? Uh, or, or maybe it's, where is my daddy in this world? A couple of statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behaviour disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. 75% of all teenagers in drug rehab centres come from fatherless homes. It's my prayer today that by the end of it, if I was to ask you as a believer, who's your daddy? You would be able to say with great affection, with great joy, with a smile on your face, more importantly in your heart, I am deeply loved by my Heavenly Father. Now, for us as believers, 
Our identity is formed by this Christmas story that's found in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Isn't it amazing? The story of Jesus, unlike every other book in the Bible, is given to us four times. Four times. Just in case you didn't get it in the Gospel of Matthew, we'll give it to you again in the Gospel of Mark. And just in case you didn't get it from Mark, we'll give you the story of Jesus again in the Gospel of Luke. And just in case you didn't get it from Luke, we'll make sure you hear all about Jesus one more time in the Gospel of John. And each one of these Gospel writers tell this magnificent, this incredible story of Jesus, the story of his birth, the Christmas story, and the story of his death, which we know is the Easter story. You know what is so important with this story? Is that it must move from our heads deep into our hearts. This truth can be seen in John chapter 1, the same chapter, verse 29. In the beginning of chapter 1, it talks about Jesus, similar to the book of Genesis. Did you notice that? In the beginning, God. Well, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. As you move through the, the first chapter, by the time you come to verse 29 of John 1, Jesus is now commissioning or calling his disciples. John moves very quickly. He doesn't go to the intrinsic detail that Matthew, Mark, Luke give of, of the birth scene in the manger and the wise men, the magi coming and, and Herod. It's like he gives this, John gives this panoramic, this larger view of this person, Jesus, that he is before time, before the manger scene. In verse 29, he is calling his disciples and he picks one there, by the name of Simon. Sorry, verse 42 of John 1. And he says to Simon, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, you are Simon, the son of Jonah, and you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So again, in John 1, the same chapter, Jesus is calling the disciple, one of the disciples whom we know is Peter. You better know him as Simon Peter. Peter, the loud, the boisterous, the, the fiery preacher. But Jesus doesn't call him Peter or Cephas. He calls him there Simon, which means shifting sand. Son of Jonas. Now, you remember Jonas from the Old Testament? He was a prophet who ran away from God. He was a prophet who lived, uh, if you like, in disobedience. Imagine somebody calling your name, as it were, in the classroom. Everything, a bad you know, connotation attached to your name. Hey, Dill, Barry, I don't, you know, something. It's probably worse than that, but just something that's derogatory, something that, that makes you feel not very good. Simon, you shifting sand, you shifty rat. I don't know, I'm, I, I'm, I prepared notes, but I, I go away from them from time to time. Um, often, uh, Simon, you rat, son of Jonas. By that stage, he's probably cowering and, and wanting to hide in the corner. I know who you are. You're shifty. You're unstable. Run away. And you shall be called Cephas, which means 
stone. Peter means rock. When did this happen for him? Well, it happened in Matthew 16, specifically, when Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? In verse 14, they said, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon, a.k.a. Peter, says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know what Jesus said? Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, rock. Rocky. Adrian! Rocky. Rocky. Did you see that? Or is this noise just happening in my head? <laughs> Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, mates. Who do men say that I am as they sit there? Some say John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? Repent! The fiery preacher. Some say that's who you are, Jesus. You're the repentant man. Others say, Elijah, fire! Revivalist, miracle worker. Others say, Jeremiah. <laughs> I want you to know. Oh, God loves you. <laughs> this, this is in there. It's in there. Maybe it's all happening in here. Uh, or one of the prophets. There was a prophet that they said who opened up the scriptures and revealed a lot of things. But who do you say that I am? You. Peter. Peter says, Simon, you are the Messiah. You are Jesus, not John the Baptist. Simply a repentant preacher. You are not Elijah. Simply a miracle worker. You are not Jeremiah, a weeping man, a broken man. You are the Messiah. And Jesus says, Simon, you are now called Peter. You have gone from somebody in this world who is shifting sand to now somebody who is rock solid because you understand who I am. That's powerful. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Church, for those of you brought up, grown up in church, who do you see Jesus as? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just somewhere that you gather to hear a word of repentance? Is that what church is to you? Repent, repent, repent. Is it where you come chasing a miracle? Is it where you come for emotional stimuli? Or has it dawned upon your heart in the deepest way? I pray it happens at Christmas time. 
has it dawned upon you personally, individually, that he is the Messiah, the Christos, the anointed one, the one of God. This is not something that happens of flesh or of blood. This is, this is God speaking directly to your heart. You will go from somebody in this world who's moving and shifting and unstable to somebody who is rock solid. Hallelujah. Who is Jesus to you? The story of Jesus, this Christmas story, and Easter, his birth, uh, his death, Birth and death. What does it mean to you deep in your heart? Christmas, the eternal Son, the second person of the Trinity, becoming human in the person of Jesus Christ. God becoming a fetus. The creator of life now created. The one who is larger than the universe, now becoming an embryo. The one who is the ancient of days becomes the infant of days. The one who sustains the world with his word chooses to become dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. This is the Christmas story. Matthew puts it this way, Matthew 1, 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Hallelujah. How many people are smelling what I'm stepping in? Hallelujah. God with us. This is good news. Jesus, the God-man, fully divine, yet fully human, all at the same time. The Bible is very clear, though. The incarnation or the coming of God in the man in the form of Jesus is not the full story. The full story, the complete story, is found, we know, at Calvary, not Bethlehem. That is the centre of Christianity. But... We praise God, don't we, for the virgin birth, for Jesus' flawless life, for the miracles, for his matchless teaching and his moral example. But all of these things would have amounted to nothing if it hadn't been uh, consummated at the end with his sacrifice on the cross. And that's why in verse 26 of John 1, John the Baptist says these words, Verse 26, chapter 1. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you want a good teaching on that? Last week message by Brother Hayden. All about the Lamb and the Old Testament sacrificial system. John looks at Jesus and says, The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was born with an an assignment, as it were, from the Father to die on the cross where he would be the ransom that sets us free from the bondage of sin and of death. Hallelujah. Church, if information was what we needed, then God would have sent an educator. If technology was our greatest need, 
then God would have sent a scientist. If, if our greatest need was money, then God would have sent an economist. If entertainment was or, or, or pleasure was our greatest need, then God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was salvation, and therefore God sent a redeemer, Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that God handed down to you from your ancestors, but it was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus was the purchase price for our redemption from sin. Jesus stood before God with all our sin on him that we may stand before God with none of our sin on us. He who was righteous was judged as unrighteous that we who are unrighteous should be judged before God as righteous. Where's Wayne when you need him? At Calvary, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. For us who owed a debt, we could not pay. Oh, gee. Amen. <sighs> On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he had committed all of our sin so that he could treat us as though we had no sin. Oh. Is this not the story of Christmas? This is better than the latest Apple iPhone you'll get under the tree this year. This is better than that laptop. This is better than that cruise, that trip to the uh, South Pacific Islands. This is better than a Pontiac key. Well, it's close, but no, 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 it's, this is far better than, than, than any present we could ever receive. And what I'm saying is this. The identity is so powerful, church, it is so radical that the Bible and our verses, verse 12 and 13, can only describe this truth as the new birth. Verse 13, children not born of natural descent or of human decision or a, or a husband's will, but born of God. This is what it is to be born again. There is no other Christian than a born again Christian. The reason we need to be born again is because something went wrong the first time. We were all born into sin. And this good news of being born again, I don't know how many births you've participated in. I don't know how many births you've had, but it is painful. It is often quite bloody. It is quite mesmerizing. It is no different when somebody has truly been born again, you will know that it has happened to you. <laughs> Christianity isn't to be an accessory to our life or like a supplement program. Your life is pretty good. Just take a couple of these supplements and the guns get bigger. This is not adding religion 
being a Christian, being born again, is a new way of life. It is revolutionary. It will change you from the inside. It is a new identity. It is a powerful, powerful thing. Christianity isn't a technique for moral self-improvement. It isn't just a religious religious teachings that you sit back whilst on a shisha saying, man, that's significant, brother. No, this is revolutionary. He is a saviour. Born again. It also gives us a new status. Verse 12 says, he gave us the right to become the children of God. Let's dig into this adoption thought a little more. We have the right to become the children of God. Rights are different than privileges. In my job, everyone likes to tell police their rights. I know my rights. I know my rights. You can't do that. I can. I know my rights. Clearly not very well, but I know them. I saw it on YouTube. (laughs) You know, rights. Rights are different than privileges. Privileges can be taken away. Privileges are given if you meet certain criteria, And if you break a few of those you know, criteria, if you misbehave, privileges can be taken away. But when you are given a right, though it is granted to you, when you have a right, it is yours. It can't be taken away. It is your right. Here's the beautiful thing. We have rights as children of God. What type of rights do we have? Well, we have access and we have an inheritance. Think about access for a moment. What does it mean to be a child of God? It means this. It means that we have unlimited, unrestricted intimacy to the Father. Now, in Bible times, the people of that culture at that time were very communal. I'll touch on this as we close. Very patriarchal. And what mattered in society was the rank and the status you had. It meant everything. What family you were from, what industry your family worked in, the name that you carried, it meant a lot in terms of the role you played in society. Who is your daddy? We, as Christians, now have the creator of the universe as our father. Access. Dads, if you're a dad here, I am, my five daughters. I remember at one particular time when my daughter number two and three, that's what happens when you have so many, it's just daughter number two and this is number four. Uh, I remember when daughter number two realised I had actually a name. (laughs) That my name wasn't Daddy. That you don't go to my licence or my passport and there's Daddy. I actually have a name. And, And I don't know if it was this this peculiarity in her mind, this, this like, oh, I'm going to start calling my dad by his first name. Raynor, Raynor, just loved it, just called my name. Raynor, 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 could you come here please, Raynor? Yeah. It was kind of fun for, for, for an hour. Um, 
by the third day, um, I said, listen, you can call me Rainer if you like. But I said, why would you want to? Why, why would you call me Rainer when you can call me Daddy? Because, because I'm your father, you have all the access to me that other people who call me Rainer don't have. For instance, if you call me Daddy, you can call me from a phone on the side of the road on the Monash at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with a flat tyre and say, Daddy, can you come and help me with my flat tyre? That happens. Five girls. None of them mechanics. <laughs> Every second week, I'm on the Monash on the side of the road. If you see that guy, that's, that's me. Go around. No, you do need to replace the water. It doesn't fill up on its own. No, don't put water in the oil. That's a different, that's a different colour. But, you know, if somebody else calls me at 2 o'clock in the morning and I see someone else, if it's not Daddy, then I'll probably just turn the ringer off. You can call me in the middle of the night. Even when you're vomiting, you, you can, well, I'll call mum, but, but you, you could, there is a chance that I, I might be working, so. Uh. No, you can call daddy, even when you're vomiting, because it's a right, it's a privilege. You have 24-7 access to your dad, who will be there emotionally invested, pour out, open ear, a loving embrace to protect, to provide, to help. That's what daddies are for. You know, I think of that being me, and I'm not always the most patient, the most wise or caring. How much greater is our Heavenly Father to his children? Loving, caring and patient. John 14, Jesus calls on God there in the garden and he calls out, Abba, Father. In Romans 8 and Galatians 4, it says, the same spirit in our hearts cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, the same voice that Jesus cried out to his Father the New Testament says for every single believer that the same intimate voice, the same cry, the same access that Jesus had to the Father, we all have now. Church, do you take advantage of the access that you have as adopted children of God? When you're afraid, when you're hurting, when you need that grace and that loving embrace, you have access 24-7 to a loving Father. Not just access, but an inheritance. Think about the inheritance. Adoption means that we now have a new legal standing and a rightful claim to an inheritance. In the Roman world, if a wealthy man was out without children, in order to bequeath his estate on someone, he would have to adopt a son for the purpose of transferring his wealth and the family name. He had no son, he would adopt one, so his wealth and his family name would carry on. 
as an adopted child, he would have all the rights and all the privileges as if he was that man's child. Do you realise, church, that is what we now have as Christians? For this person, their future would be secure. They would be perhaps slaves. They would be orphans. They would be somebody without any inheritance. The next day, after adoption, now they have an inheritance. Somebody without a name, now they have a name. No future to instantaneously having a future. Hallelujah. Galatians 4.7 You are no longer a slave, but God's child. Romans 8 And we cry, Ab of Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. In Romans 8, and I close. Wayne says I've heard that before. Uh, Romans 8, no, I really am. It talks about a future glory. It talks about a time when sadness will be taken away, tears wiped away, when sickness and injustice will be banished, that all suffering will then have its meaning, if you like, will have an understanding. And Paul, he says this, he said, present suffering is nothing. It is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed. It's amazing. Maybe to help us understand this, to put it in another, you know, more human terms perhaps. Just say that you have an inheritance coming to you Christmas morning. The, the, the legal documentation has been prepared. You are inheriting Christmas morning $100 million. Can I ask you this? If you lost $1,000 today, and you know that in two days' time you are inheriting $100 million, would you be concerned about losing $1,000 today? If you drove out of this car park and had a car collision, Police don't call them accidents. Didn't happen by accident. It was someone's fault. <laughs> it's not an accident. <laughs> it's a collision. You left this building and you had a car collision. You rode off your car. In two days' time, you are inheriting $100 million. Would you be concerned about riding off your car? Now, you're going to drive it into the Pakenham Lake right now, as a matter of fact, aren't you? <laughs> Can I tell you? The truth of the gospel is that you, if you are a child of God, you are more wealthy, you are richer, you have more of an inheritance than a $100 million. See, that put a smile on some of your faces. Start walking around and getting a bit cocky. Do you know who I am? Do you know who my daddy is? Don't get cocky. But you should have deep and great peace in your heart. And if you're not adopted, you ought to join and get into the family. Hallelujah.
Oh. I love this stuff. Charles Taylor, he's a Canadian philosopher. Very famous, wrote some interesting articles, Christianity Today, the last release, if you read that publication. He noted that modern Western society, the secular society we live in, he calls it the individualistic age. The default mindset, he says, is not to fit ourselves into the sacred moral order which we would find meaning direction, but to try to find meaning and direction for yourself. Try and find it through your own individual experiences. Ancient communal people, he says, typically found meaning in family or religious groups. Ancient people found meaning through belonging. Modern individualistic people try to find meaning not through belonging, but through becoming. Your identity is formed as you express yourself. As a result of modern Western people, we have lingering anxieties because we bear all the pressure of creating identity all by ourselves. Guess what? The offer of the gospel is that we have an identity. We're adopted children of God by a heavenly father with an inheritance. We have been secured through adoption. And I believe, church, the root of so many insecurities and worry for us as believers, it is the root of so many of our current anxieties is that we fail to know and believe in our hearts that we are adopted and the beloved of God. If you get this, who do men say that I am? What well, some say, some say, some say, but what about you, mate? Who do you say that I am? When you can say, you are the Christ. Not what others say, but what about you, mate? When you can say, I know who you are, Jesus. A lot of your fear, a lot of your anxiety, a lot of your trouble. Blown away. How do we get it? I close. Verse 12. That's the second close. I get three and I'm done. Uh, No, 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 I'm done. Uh, This is the second and the last. How do we get it? Verse 12. All who did receive him to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. How do we get it? Believe in his name. How many people remember the day that you were born? Uh, I'll talk to this side. Um, how many? No, 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 it's true. Good work. How many people? Well, the, how many people remember? You know, isn't it funny? We celebrate birthdays like we did something. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. We should be celebrating your mother who pushed you out, right? I'm convinced if blokes had kids, every family would only have one child. (laughs) You know why you don't remember your birth? Because you had nothing to do with it. Guess what? It is the same with being born into the kingdom of God. 
It is everything that he has done for you already. We are not forgiven because we deserve it. We are not saved because we worked for it. We are not redeemed because we earned it. God adopts us through Jesus, through his perfect atoning sacrifice on the cross. And the good news is that in order for us to be saved, all we have to do is believe what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. The evangelist Billy Sunday, he was helping workers take down a large tent after a meeting. A young man came running in. He was out of breath. The young man said, I wanted to come to the revival meetings, but I've missed it. Please tell me, what must I do to be saved? Billy Sunday replied, you're too late. And he kept taking down the tent. The young man responded, just because I missed the meeting, you're not going to tell me how to be saved? Billy answered, no, you're too late to do anything to be saved because Jesus did it all almost 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. What good news, church. That's the problem. You know why people don't get saved? Is because you can bring nothing to it yourself. And all of us try to bring something. Bring nothing. Jesus has done it all on the cross. You don't have to do anything. Salvation is free of charge, but cost him everything. Just receive it. Adoption, all the rights of sonship, is available to us. If we receive him, If we believe in his name, you don't earn your way into the family or prove your worth to the family. Simply receive it. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.